Now, spreading freedom across the nation, this is The Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hunt. Great to have you here as always. Phone lines are open right off the bat, 888-900-3393. Love to hear from you, your thoughts about anything we're talking about or anything you want to add into the mix, by all means. A lot of uh, Trump transition team stuff today, some interesting stories about how he may involve himself in the economy. But but I actually wanted to start with something else, because if I don't, I feel like this will get lost in the in the shuffle. Uh, if I if I don't get into this now, I have a, I have a feeling that this will not get attention from anybody um, or, you know, will sort of fall by the wayside. There's been this hysteria out there. You've certainly seen it about fake news. And this has become something that everyone is talking about. And it's it's almost like there's a one sheet, you know, there's sort of a rundown of journalist talking points. And it's, you know, talk about fake news is right at the very top, uh, discussing all the different fake news outlets. And there have been serious, quote, serious newspapers that have looked into the issue of fake news. There are serious newspapers uh, that have published pieces on this with the suggestion, of course, that fake news, such as they describe, such as, you know, they get to decide what it is, uh, may have turned the election. And in fact, there's a, an, an additional level to this that perhaps Russian trolls, so sort of Russian fake news. Uh, and propaganda efforts online, the digital world, could have played a factor in the election. Now, this has, of course, the twofold purpose of, on the one hand, making very sad, because they're very, very sad, very sad Democrats feel better about the fact that Hillary Clinton lost, right? Because it's it, they, she didn't lose because the Democratic Party is uh, adrift. She didn't lose because the Democratic Party no longer mirrors or, or no longer supports positions that a majority of the American people, or at least a majority of the American voting population, or I know we're going to get into the discussion over the popular vote. So whatever, a majority of those voting in states that are necessary for the Electoral College victory to be the president of the United States doesn't matter. None of that matters. What matters to them is that there was really cheating that went on in one way or another. And in this case, it's cheating through the news. There's also the recount efforts that have been happening that have, I think Trump has gained votes in them, but those are also just all a scam. And, you know, Jill Stein sees an opportunity to raise a lot of money and get her name out there. I mean, this is the most press Jill Stein got over the entirety of the campaign comes afterwards uh, or over the whole primary season and, and the general election. It's with her efforts to raise money and have these recounts. Uh, but I remember talking to you about, so fake news is a big thing. So on the one hand, it makes them feel better about it. And also on the other hand, it, it undermines the Trump presidency too. It undermines those who voted for Trump. Really the message is supposed to be your, uh, you who vote for Trump or you who are Republicans who now have Donald Trump as your, uh, president elect are too stupid to know the difference between real news and fake news. And, Basically, you're a bunch, you being Trump voters, a bunch of big dumb, dumb dummies, and it's all your fault. And this is why you have all these stories out there about fake news. Of course, it's always existed. 
right? I mean, this is not a new concept, and also it is um, not the first time by any stretch of the imagination that people have tried to influence an election with either stories that aren't true or... I mean, you go back even to the earliest days uh, of this republic, and there were scurrilous charges and accusations leveled about any number of of candidates. Uh, Go back and read some of the things that were said about Jefferson um, and Adams and... You know, na- name a founding father, and they're you know wanted to be king. You know, in, in all kinds of stuff. You know, Hamilton. People said stuff about Hamilton too. Uh, so fake news is not a new thing. What's fascinating to me though is that the Washington Post did this big story, and I talked about it here in the show, which is why I wanted to revisit it. They did this big story on how uh, how much of an impact and how widespread these sort of fake news mills really were that they're a big deal, that they really do matter, and that they really did perhaps change the outcome of the election. And they did this whole breakdown of how there's all these sites that get so much traffic, and they're just putting false stories out there, and that's why people just didn't have the good sense to vote for Hillary Clinton. Well, the Washington Post had this editor's note, which just is just, you know, just sort of popped in, appended to a story, that they did. And this was a big story. I mean, this was their um, uh, this was their sort of takedown of the whole fake news uh, effort that, as you know, is supposed to be at least partially responsible for Trump's victory and Russia's behind it. And the Russian menace now is you know, allied with this Trump White House and all that other stuff. Here's the editor's note that I wanted to share with you. Uh, the Washington Post, I'll read it to you. The Washington Post on November 24th published a story on the work of four sets of researchers who have examined what they say are Russian propaganda efforts to undermine American democracy and interests. One of them was Prop or Not, a group that insists on public anonymity, which issued a report identifying more than 200 websites that, in its view, wittingly or unwittingly, published or echoed Russian propaganda. A number of those sites have objected to being included in Proper Not's list, and some of the sites, as well as others not on the list, have publicly challenged the group's methodology and conclusions. The Post, which did not name any of the sites, does not itself vouch for the validity of Proper Not's findings regarding any individual media outlet, nor did the article purport to do so. Since the publication of the Post story, Proper Not has removed some sites from its list. Now, I know that's you're like, why are you reading this whole thing? What they're really saying is, yeah, we decided that we would write this story. And one of the research outfits that we relied on is anonymous. How often do they give that? By the way, how, how often do you think you're allowed to cite a source that is a, uh, th- that is a, a research you know organization, but it gets to remain anonymous? I mean, is, is this a a basement troll somewhere. I mean, who's running prop or not? Who are these people or person? We don't get to know. Insists on public anonymity. So, you know, could this be like some friend of John Podesta's who's running this group, you know, prop or not? Who knows? We don't know. We're not allowed to know. And they identified 200 websites and the Washington Post just went along with all of this, didn't do its own research, just found some online anonymous research group cited it in its reporting and since people have asked questions and since some of those websites have come out and said this is this is you know nonsense this is bullcrap 
proper the research outfit, the anonymous research outfit, ha- has removed some of those sites. So clearly not standing behind its research. But this is remarkable that the Washington Post, which is you know one of the biggest uh, biggest newspapers in the country, would do a major story. I believe it was a front page story. I mean, I read all the stuff online, but I think it was sort of their front page main banner story and use research to support this conclusion that is just completely flimsy and not not verified and not sourced goes to show you that it, it really wasn't about getting to the bottom of Russian propaganda efforts during our election. It was um, it was about continuing this narrative that it was the misinformed public that handed Trump the election. And not only were they misinformed, they're puppets of Russia. This is really vile stuff. This is really underhanded, even for something like the Washington Post. And this will just sort of slide through now. They they will not do they they're not retracting the story. They're just adding this editor's note. Uh, but you can see that they they were looking for anybody who was willing to support this theory that there were these Russian sites. By the way, how much of a of a real influence do these sites have? These different memes about. I mean, does anyone really think that someone changed their mind? W- were there any Hillary voters? that saw some weird news story about Hillary and decided, you know what, I'm going to vote for somebody else. I, I mean, I've I've seen zero evidence of that. If the whole thesis here, which is what it seems to be, is uh, that the Russian propaganda effort may have tilted the election towards Trump, can't we find some voters somewhere who at least will come out and say, will attach their name and face to it and say, yeah, I saw that. I don't even know what this, what some of these fake news stories are that they're talking about. And I read news all day long. They're talking about some stuff that was shared on Facebook that was, you know, went, went sort of viral or was, what does that even mean? This is, but again, it's part of the overall narrative. It's part of the storyline that Trump couldn't win legitimately. So the only way he was able to win was by having help from Russian behind the scenes, sort of KGB style uh, disinformation operatives who were running these. It's just it's a conspiracy. It's interesting. They always label the other side conspiracy theorists. And look, there are conspiracy theorists on the right. But this is a conspiracy theory. Uh, This is this is nonsense. The, The hacking of Podesta's emails and those releases. Yeah, that's that's an active measure. That was a real thing that happened. But that fake news had any real fake news influenced the voting patterns of a few hundred thousand people specifically in Michigan, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. I don't think so. And when you see the shoddy research that was done by some of the newspapers that were really pushing this story hard, uh, it's just flimsy. It's indefensible. And it's because they were not looking for they were not looking for evidence to support a conclusion. I'm sorry. They were not looking for evidence so that they could then draw a conclusion. They were looking for evidence to support a conclusion they had already made. Media bias at work once again. 888-900-3393. Team sponsor this half hour is Super Beats. Super Beats, Super Beats, they're super beady. Uh, they're a nutrition gold mine. They're rich in vitamins, minerals, electrolytes, and dietary nitrates. Nitric oxide, by the way, which is also something that dietary nitrates convert to in the body, help boost circulation and maintain healthy blood pressure levels. Now, you can get all this from eating beets, but how about something easier and more delicious than beets? You get the benefits of three whole beets in just one teaspoon of super beets with no beet taste. 
And beet juice is so potent that it turned up in a magazine article with illegal performance enhancers like EPO, giving them the nickname the ultimate performance enhancing veggie. Per- performance enhancing veggie. P-E-V. Never. Yeah. Check that one out. Exciting. I feel confident telling you that Super Beets is awesome because when I've tried it, I get a huge boost of energy. So check it out yourself. Uh, call 800-311-4367 or go to teambuckbeats.com. Get a 30-day supply free. It comes with your first order and is backed by a money-back guarantee. Also receive a free book, Beat the Odds, and free shipping on your entire order. You'll love the results you feel with your first free canister, guaranteed, or your money back. 800-311-4367 or teambuckbeats.com. 800-311-4367 or teambuckbeats.com. We'll be right back. Buck Sexton. The Blaze Radio Network. Dispensing the truth. This is Buck Sexton. On the Blaze Radio Network. Other than the fact that you see a a fair amount of uh, people who are apparently upset at the notion of uh, a handful of former generals in Trump's cabinet, which I think is an interesting objection to have. These are people that were senior most officers of the United States military, but there are there are concerns now that they're no longer generals that they, they I think I saw someone on Twitter say, why don't we just call this a, a junta? I mean, really? Uh, this is like now military, we're heading towards military dictatorship because Trump is putting generals in, in positions of prominent prominence. Anyway, I think that some of the criticisms that you're seeing about uh, various cabinet uh, cabinet officials or people that run different departments or just senior appointee slots really just come from this place of blind Trump hatred, which is a very real thing. Um, and, and even, <laughs> this is one that uh, got my attention, even the small business administration uh, pick. And by the way, let's, all right, let's take a step back for a second. Let's be honest. How many of us even knew that there was a small business administration to begin with. Um, how many of us knew that that was something that had to be picked by Trump? Now, the, the small business administration, those of you who want to know, or it had to be picked by the president, um, has an office in every state. This is from CNBC, and it helps with financing and training for small businesses and entrepreneurs. People are making a lot of jokes because Linda McMahon, who helped found the WWE, which used to be the WWF, and then John, did they get rid of it because of the World World Wildlife Federation? Yeah, they got sued because of the World Wildlife Federation. Okay, so that's what I thought happened there. And the WWE, and this, anyway, she helped found that with uh, Vince McMahon. And it's worth, uh, let's see what we have here. It's worth a billion dollars, $1.5 billion today, market value as a publicly traded company. So she built a, helped build a very valuable media property. And she's going to be somebody who's leading. Now, look, I, I know that there's video of, I've seen some of the screenshots where she's got like a microphone and she's out there on the stage or uh, not the stage. What do you call it? The, um, uh, where do the wrestlers, the ring. Thank you. Uh, she's out there in the ring with some wrestlers and it's kind of funny, but then again, Trump has been, (laughs) Trump has been involved in so that Trump is actually in the WWE hall of fame, which is a thing. 
Um, but people are trying to get uh, they're trying to get all worked up over uh, Linda McMahon leading the Small Business Administration. She created a very successful business from the ground up. Isn't that actually the kind of experience that you would want for this sort of a thing? I, I know she also gave a lot of money to a Trump PAC, and but this is that's sort of standard for a lot of these government jobs is that people that either raise money or give money get them. But I, I just think it's interesting. I mean, the Democrats. Well, for, first of all, you've got to just look at this as it's primarily just Trump rage, right? Trump, everything Trump does is bad. They were even thinking uh, a day or two ago that Democrats would give Mattis a hard time, uh, that they would give Marine, uh, you know, retired Marine Corps General Mattis difficulty with becoming Secretary of Defense. And then I think it dawned upon them that uh, smearing somebody publicly in hearings or or creating any kind of uh, obstacles for somebody as revered in military and non-military circles as Mattis, but particularly inside the military, even for the Democrats, that's a little too much. That would look a little too bad. So my understanding is they've decided to back off on that one. Uh, but what you see is that there's a real belief in, in a lot of Democrats, I think, that to serve in government or, or the best people to serve in government are going to be people that have primarily been in government, right? That's what you want. You want somebody who is going to be telling those in the free, in, in the, uh, free market, in the, in the sort of real economy, not the public sector economy, uh, telling those what to do. And the Small Business Administration uh, secretary here is somebody who's going to be, um, or serve as, as the head of the Small Business Administration, who has real experience doing this, you'd think that would be better, right? She can peel back regulation. She understands what hurts small businesses. And she's been in the fight uh, in a real way. But for a lot of Democrats, and look, it's also an obviously just an opportunity to make fun of it, another Trump pick and to make fun of what's, you know, what the administration's doing and all the rest of it. But for a lot of people, I think, watching this, they, they kind of think to themselves, wow, Democrats really do believe that if you've just been on the sort of public payroll for you know a couple of decades, that's what makes you really effective. Uh, to have actually been in the fight and then to have experience that translates so that when you're in a position of authority, when you're in a position to do things to help people in actual industry, uh, you can apply lessons learned from your own experiences. And, you know, that that's not how they view these things, or at least in this instance, in these cases with Donald Trump and his appointees. The cabinet that he's putting together, uh, and I, I've said that he he deserves at least an, an, an open mind from Republicans, right? The cabinet that he's putting together is strong. This is a strong cabinet. I mean, the, the only one that I think is still a little controversial for some people is, is General Flynn. Um, but you know what? I, 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 it doesn't bother me. I, I don't see a problem. I mean, his son got fired for that very dumb tweet, but General Flynn himself seems to be somebody that, Trump trusts on these issues and certainly understands who the enemy is. But anyway, Linda McMahon, founder of the WWE, and is going to be running the Small Business Administration, and Democrats are freaking out. We'll talk about some other stuff in just a sec. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The 
The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. So here's a fantastic pick, by the way. Scott Pruitt called here the New York Times a climate change denialist is going to be Trump's choice for the Environmental Protection Agency, uh, which I first learned about from Walter Peck in Ghostbusters, who is the bad guy. This is why Ghostbusters, as an aside, is really a conservative movie. They're small businessmen. It's a startup. They're capitalists, right? Remember, they go after Slimer in the hotel, and he's like $5,000, and the guy who's the hotel uh, manager is like, $5,000? I had no idea it would be that much. I won't pay it. And then they threaten to release Slimer. And yeah, so that's, uh, they, they are capitalists. They are small business owners. They are entrepreneurs, uh, the Ghostbusters, that is. And then the EPA comes along out of nowhere and is like uh, giving them all kinds of problems. And, you know, he's like, possibly noxious waste. Uh, you know, all this stuff about the containment unit. And, you know, Dr. Vankman doesn't handle it that well, I would say. You know, he probably could have smoothed things over with the EPA guy, but he didn't like the EPA guy in his little three-piece suit and the whole thing. So he's, they got into it. And, uh, yeah, they uh, then came back with the cops and they shut down the containment unit and all, all the ghosts were let loose. So EPA is the bad guy. And, look, it's, um, it's funny to me because there's not really a lot of, disagreement or there shouldn't be a lot of gray area when you're talking about the EPA and um, you're talking about how uh, you want clean water and right these movies um, what what was the movie with I can't remember the movie with uh, no there's yeah there's Aaron Brockovich of course that's one but there's also one with the guy who is from uh, gosh I'm sorry I'm completely blanking on his name uh, he's in, and I'm blanking. He's in. I was gonna say Point Break. That's not the movie. Um, anyway, I can't. I can't remember. He's a famous actor. I can't remember. But he's in a movie where he's like a, a lawyer. He's I think kind of an ambulance chaser, and he gets involved in some clean water thing. And uh, is it a civil action or something like that? I think it's called a civil action, something like that. Uh, and you know, he's trying to prevent people from getting horrible diseases from dirty water. I mean, nobody wants, there's no pro-dirty water faction. I mean, this also ties into the whole Dakota Access Pipeline thing. Um, Nobody wants seepage of chemicals into water that's going to harm, uh, that's going to harm, you know, men, women, and children, babies. I mean, that's, there's no constituency in favor of that. It's just a question of what's reasonable and what's a proven risk versus a sort of either theoretical or made-up risk. Uh, and this is where you get in. This is where the debate somehow always goes off the rails. People say, oh, well, you know, you don't want clean air and clean water. It's like, no, no one wants there to be a tremendous amount of of uh, of smog. And we know what pollution. If you've ever, ever been in a city, I mean, I've been in some cities because of my previous work before media. I've been in some uh, places where you can really kind of smell and and feel and maybe even in the air kind of taste, well, that's gross, uh, the fact that they burn waste. Uh, they burn trash. They burn... And, and it just creates acrid smoke all over the place and you know all sorts of chemicals and things, you know, burning plastic, and it, it's in the air, and it is gross. I mean, the air quality is terrible. And I, you know, those of you who have spent some time in China, I have friends who uh, t- talked to me about being in some of the cities there, and you can just see the... 
buildup on the walls. No, no, there's no constituency in favor of that. Republicans don't actually want to see rivers full of toxic waste. And, you know, it reminds me of the old cartoon that uh, or wait, no, there's a couple of them. There's Captain Planet, which was uh, which was pretty lame. But he's our hero and he's going to take pollution down to zero. Um, But I I don't really know. You know, he just was fighting polluters. It was a bad card. It's it's no ducktails. I'll tell you that. And then there's also the Toxic Avenger, which is much more of a sci-fi thing where a guy who sort of gets toxic waste on him uh, goes around and, I don't know, he fights people with a mop. He looks kind of, he looks a little weird, uh, to put it mildly. And, of course, there's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles who are, who are turtles that get exposed to toxic waste. And then also a rat that's exposed to toxic waste happens to know ninjutsu because he was the pet of a ninja master in Japan. I don't know. Uh, Ninja Turtles, I love I loved Ninja Turtles for years, and looking back in retrospect, it's like an acid trip, man. The whole thing is crazy. You got some giant turtles doing backflips and a rat that's teaching them how to do uh, karate, although technically it's ninjutsu, but you know what I mean. Close enough. Uh, nobody wants toxic waste in their water. Nobody wants their food to be dirty. That's, but should we destroy the coal industry because of CO2? Should we uh, put massive inhibitions on fossil fuel exploration exploration or even just export because we're so concerned about co2 in the air co2 naturally you know is is in the air plants need it you know plants take in uh, co2 and spit out oxygen um i guess theoretically they don't spit out anything but you know what i mean photosynthesis and all that stuff freshman bio there we go nobody wants nobody wants dirty water but the the co2 in the air thing is just it's crazy uh, this is some. Cons- this is a conspiracy theory, or th- this is a, a theory that's uh, completely unproven. That they keep changing the data. I had that guy's uh, editorial. I think it was in the Wall Street Journal a couple days ago, where he talked about how he's totally on board for all the climate change stuff, except he knows that the storms getting worse. Uh, that, that that's a lie, and for that one deviation from the climate change orthodoxy, they wanted to destroy him. Uh, now we see that the EPA, which was really the way, the, the only way that Obama was going to get the kind of environmental regulations that he wanted was through executive fiat and, and through the EPA, right? EPA is an executive branch agency. So Obama is going, or Obama was able to use them, and there was a Supreme Court case, and it went in favor of the EPA, where they can essentially regulate because, you know, air goes between states. <laughs> it's almost like it's really an extension of the Interstate Commerce Clause. Because, you know, air moves around, um, all states fall under the EPA's federal mandate about how much CO2 they're putting in the air. And there's this whole complex way they're trying to create limitations on CO2. It's just, it's just insane. And it means that your uh, energy prices are going up and it means that there's all sorts of uh, regulatory hurdles that companies have to get around. And meanwhile, despite the Obama administration's best efforts... You have had something of an energy revolution in this country because of shale oil. And we are, America is an energy superpower. Uh, and I remember, you know, decades ago, people were so, oh, Mideast oil and America, we're going to run out of oil and all these bad things are going to happen. And now we find out that, no, we've got plenty of oil. In fact, we have a lot of oil here and we have a lot of natural gas here. And we have so much that we're, we're exporting a lot around the world. And I, I think... I should check the numbers on this. We, If you add our uh, shale oil and our, our natural gas, if you add sort of our fossil fuel uh, 
uh, exports were definitely like in the top three, I think, for the world. Um, and I, I'll, I'll check the numbers in the break and make sure I'm giving you the, the, the straight facts on that one. But so you got this guy Pruitt, who they call a climate change denialist. And, and by the way, denialist is intentionally, they use that word, not skeptic, you'll notice, and uh, not even opponent, which would be pretty strong, right? You're a climate change, or I guess a climate change opponent, maybe it's not like you're fighting against climate change. But uh, there are many ways they could, you know, they, they could phrase this, but they use denialist so that it conjures in the mind or there's an association with Holocaust denial. And if you think that that's extreme, there are some people who have come out, I mean, meaning that, that my interpretation of this is goes too far. There are some who have come out and have, have likened it to Holocaust. And I mean, they'll actually go out and say that, um, that that's, it, it's just a, it's a horrific and immoral um, refusal to accept evidence. And in this case, they say that it even has the consequences of perhaps causing a future Holocaust and that we will all die because of these uh, lack because of the lack of action, lack of regulations on climate change. So you've got this uh, Mr. Pruitt, who is an architect, according to the New York Times here, of the legal battle against Mr. Obama's climate change policies, who's going to be head of the EPA. And he has uh, put in, I mean, he, he's going to be a guy who looks at these regulations. And this is where you get into undoing the Obama legacy very quickly. I mean, this is why the Democrats... They are right to worry on some policy issues because there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to happen. I mean, EPA regulations are going to get rolled back. Um, I do think there'll be changes in the tax code, especially I think the corporate tax rate. They will push that through. Um, you know, the Second Amendment is going to be robustly defended and expanded. And I mean, there are things that are def- that are definitely going to happen. Uh, there are a few places where the battleground, I think, is going to be more complicated and we could see Trump waiver immigration and, and uh, Obamacare, I think, is going to be harder than than people realize. Um, the the replacing of it, the the whole thing. I'm not saying it won't happen. It's just that's going to be kind of messy. And immigration is a word that covers a whole lot of stuff, right? It's workplace enforcement. It's e verify. It's the wall. It's visa overstays. It's deportations. It, you know, immigration is a huge category unto itself. And so whether Trump follows through on all of his promises there, or some of them we will have to see. But on the EPA, um, you're going to have somebody who, they're going to say that he's, a, he's in the pocket of uh, big business, and they're going to say that this is going to lead to dirty drinking water for your kids, and all sorts of scaremongering is going to happen. Um, but keep in mind, these are the same people, those who would say that are the same people who think that it's okay or in some cases would be willing to even criminalize climate change denial, you know, to, to criminalize opposition to climate. I mean, just ideological opposition to climate change. That's how invested in this stuff emotionally and psychologically they are. It, it Really, they do lose their minds over it, I have to say. I mean, it's just they go to some other place. Uh, I always recall when Michael Crichton was, you know, who wrote books and, and he sat down for an interview. I think it was, maybe it was with Charlie Rose. And talking about how he had tackled many controversial issues, abortion, euthanasia, uh, genetic testing, um, cloning, I mean, all sorts of things that that really do get people uh, energized, you know, emotionally and and very involved in the debate. He did all that stuff. And he said it wasn't until climate change that 
friends turned their backs on him because he was a, he was a skeptic. Uh, friends turned their backs on him, and he was receiving death threats, and he became, at least for a short while, hated. I mean, the guy was a wildly successful novelist. Although I do, I want to see the old version of Westworld that he wrote and directed, because the current version, eh, not as great as people want to believe it is. Those of you who watch HBO know what I'm talking about. But the climate change thing gets the gets these leftists completely freaked out, and the fact that this Pruitt guy is going to be head of the EPA is a real signal to them that, you know, there's a new sheriff in town. So that means that the old days when Obama could just sort of give a speech and direct the EPA to do stuff that harms businesses and gives no real benefit. I mean, I'm not up late at night worried about CO2 in the air. You know, if Pruitt all of a sudden allows toxic waste dumping in in reservoirs that are used for public drinking water, yeah, you know, I'll be out there on the picket line too. But it's not going to happen. Just like with the Dakota Access Pipeline, uh, it's not going to stop any of this stuff from coming up out of the ground. So it doesn't matter from a CO2 perspective. And it's nowhere near the actual Native American reservation. I mean, it's, it's just all emotionalism. It's, it's not rational. And that's what they push. Um, team, I want to hear from you. 888-900-3393 on those lines. You are uh, going to light them up, I hope. And we're going to have some fantastic guests. And we're going to keep rocking on the show. I'll be right back. This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. So, team, uh, I raised some questions about why Donald Trump would meet with uh, would meet with Al Gore in Trump Tower to talk about climate change. <laughs> Given who he's nominated to run the EPA, it seems like this is yet another moment where there's an understanding that Trump has that he loses nothing by looking like he'll at least consult with the other side. It's interesting, isn't it? That he doesn't really get much credit for this. Did Obama meet with people that were wildly opposed to uh, policies that he had stated during the campaign? Was he meeting with, you know, Republican thought leaders uh, or conservative thought leaders on how to grow the economy? I don't I say this in all honesty. I certainly don't recall that. Maybe it happened, but I feel like I'd remember. Uh, I'm not saying that Trump is necessarily even going to act on any of the advice that he gets from these individuals. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the case, but I do think uh, I do think that it looks like he's being, as he said he would, open-minded. It looks like he will listen to the other side. It looks like he's willing to uh, take a moment and hear what they have to say. And this gives him a degree, perhaps, of credibility, or should uh, give him a, a degree of credibility when he finally makes decisions on some of these issues. Leonardo DiCaprio snuck into Trump Tower as well. I shouldn't say snuck in, obviously he was invited, but uh, he hung out with the Donald and Ivanka to talk about climate change. Look, I guess if I were worth like a couple hundred million dollars from being an actor, I'd want to fly around on my private jet and lecture everybody about how I'm trying to save the planet, right? Because what else could really match the needs of your ego? Like, What else could go to that 
that level other than I'm 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 literally trying to save the planet here, people. Yeah, I flew her on a private jet, but I, I am your savior. And by the way, did you see Wolf of Wall Street and Titanic and yada yada, etc. etc. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street was, was was good but not great. It was too long also. Very, very few movies should be three hours long. I mean like Braveheart, The Godfather, very few. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. 